Hey everyone, welcome to Minimally Millennial. I'm Shelby. And I'm JP. Our intention with this podcast is to create a community for young millennials navigating adulthood for the first time. We strive to look at life with direction and purpose and want to share this vision with all of y'all. Rather than avoiding the tough conversations, we want to talk about them and get them out in the open. So if you're like us and have days when you ask yourself, how the hell did I get here and what am I supposed to do next? Then you're in the right place. So together, we will unlock the secrets of adulting and try to answer the question, why did nobody tell me this shit? Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by the Dragonfly Massage and Body Works Therapy in Greenvale, North Carolina. Allie Hang, the owner and founder of the Dragonfly, has 11 years of experience in bodywork therapy and is extremely loved in our community. Some services she offers include Swedish deep tissue, prenatal massage, and hot stones. So if you would like to make an appointment at the Platinum Winner of Massages in Greenville, North Carolina, you can check out her website at thedragonfly.us. If you mention Minimally Millennial at your appointment, you'll receive a 10% discount on your service. We hope you enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Minimally Millennial. We have a very special episode with you today. We're having on a guest who we'll introduce here in a moment. And we're going to be talking about balancing school and life long term. He's a good friend of mine from college. So we're really excited to have Dr. Ty Bigelow on. Before we get started, of course, we have to do our millennial moment of the week. And JP has prefaced that she has a great one. So JP hit it. All right. So my millennial moment of the week is I, so I work at a university working with college age students and I was going through a training session. I don't know. We were kind of like casually small talking uh, beforehand and got on the conversation of working out before the day starts. I was talking about how I was tired from that or something. And the student goes, yeah, well, I, I do that too. I'm like, honestly, in college, I just seem to have a lot more energy than I do now. And he was like, well, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 27. I'll turn 28 at the end of the year. And he goes, wow, I feel young. And I was like, what? I'm the young. <laughs> so you can't be young. <laughs> we are in our prime still. I tell Shelby over and over. This is no, like, you guys, we went out to the bar. I was there for 30 minutes. I was like, I got to go home. I need a snack. <laughs> it was like 12. I was like, I got to go home. I can't be here anymore. I think we just prioritize our our energy differently now doesn't mean we're old something like that <laughs> speaking of prioritizing yeah that's perfect a perfect segue a good little intro slide in over there jp <laughs> like we said uh, kind of at the top of this episode we're going to be talking about balancing school and life long term from a professional student so dr ty bigelow is a collegiate athletic trainer um, he's a forever student who decided to go back for his third degree and get his clinical doctor in athletic training. And he may even be going back for a fourth by getting his MBA. His passion for what he does led him to consider pursuing his doctorate, but questioned how he would do it while working a full-time job. And a regular full-time job working schedule, coursework to complete, and personal life to balance, he joins us to share how you can make it work for you. Yeah, Ty, for the entirety that I've known you, you've been in school for the most part. Yeah, I just never gave it up. Even though I might, you know, take a little reprieve or a break, I just, uh, I just can never get away from it. I don't. And know it was why. Connie. It was definitely Connie. Definitely <laughs> one Dr. of our professors. P. Yeah, Doctor P. <laughs> Did I tell you that I saw her earlier yeah, this year? I think so, and it was wild. <laughs> you want to talk about how some things never change? Some things never change. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> 
Leave it at that. So me and Ty, fun fact, went to college together. He was the year above me. And we were just talking before we got on here as Ty has seen me in various states over the last, what, like five or six years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we have a podcast episode long enough to uh, really divulge all the uh, <laughs> stories. Yeah, maybe some of them need to stay in the vault. <laughs> and then JP and Ty met just earlier at the beginning of the summer at our athletic training conference, and we had more stories to share together. And now they have a bond. So friendships blossoming everywhere. Really it's amazing excited how for the this episode. Works. Yeah. Hi, you're our first male. Boy. Yeah, the first boy on our podcast. I just realized that. Well, he's a man. Well, I was going to say, being 28, I'll take boy. We're talking about <laughs> trying to feel like we're still young. No, it's, you know, I, I kind of bounce around your episodes and I just never realized that you hadn't had a male on the show yet. So I'm honored. Now we have, or we will, since we're, you know, pre-recording this, but it'll be really exciting. <laughs> and to talk about, you know, our first one talking about this professional balance. So I know you did a great job with prepping today, better than I feel like JP and I even did. So you were like really on top of it for our guests. So I'm very interested to hear your takes today. And I'm sure our guests can really relate to it for those of you, whether you're in school, um, you know, college, grad school, out of college, looking to go back. I feel like this is a great episode that a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could just kind of start with, you know, without getting too deep into my story, you know, like you said, we went to undergrad together um, and we coming out of our undergrad degrees were set up to work professionally. And not everyone has that opportunity, right? Like some people, you have to get a master's if you want to go to a certain field. But at the time, we went through something where, you know, once we finished our bachelor's level degree, we could be done if we wanted to. And uh, the idea of grad school didn't really sound appealing to me. And then when I realized that, you know, in order to get into certain settings within our profession, I'd need a master's degree. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to find a way to make it work. And so afterwards, I took a year off and people said, oh, if you take a year off, you'll never want to go back to school. And for me, at least, that was definitely not the case. You know, to me, it was a welcome break from the classes, getting to work professionally for a year. And then I went back to grad school right after. You know, I, I think that's one of those things where it's like when you find out that you're forced, not maybe not forced isn't the right word, but in order to make something happen, you you find a way to make it work. And I think the first thing that people got to realize is, you know, what is their situation? You got to be aware of what your situation is, um, knowing what you're capable of. What I find is that most people, don't truly know what they're capable of. Um, you're Ooh. usually capable of a lot more. And then when you get on the, the backside of whatever you're trying to accomplish, how oftentimes do we look back and think, wow, I don't know how I got through all of this. I'm sure you all are asking the same question about how you managed to run a podcast. <laughs> um, but looking back, you probably think, okay, this is doable. I somehow found a way to make it work. And so sometimes it requires you to be a little bit more mindful of what you're doing, a little bit more intentional with where you're putting your time, you know, being creative and finding gaps, you know, maybe you have a 10 to 20 minutes, where you could either take it to yourself, and maybe that's what you need, or you take that 10 to 20 minutes to do whatever you need to kind of get you to the next step um, of prepping you for where you want to go. So you know, to me, I think the first question you got to ask yourself, if you're trying to balance school and a professional life, or even think if this is something for you, is just looking at your situation, realizing, is it something that you think you're actually going to be able to do, but also know that, you know, you're probably more likely able to do it than you give yourself credit for. I love that. Now you sound like you sound like a future teacher, Doctor Bigelow. <laughs> I don't know if I'll do the teaching part. <laughs> Maybe one day. I, me and JP talked about this actually on another episode. I'm curious what your strategy is. So me and JP were, you know, making the joke of how she used to color coordinate almost every 
five to 10 minutes of her day. So, you know, how would you say that, you know, through over this time, working a full-time job, going back to school, staying in school for as long as you have, having a, you know, successful relationship, how did you manage your time on a day-to-day level? Because I know, at least for me personally, I struggle with the balance because I'm saying, okay, I have 10 minutes. What can I do in that 10 minutes? And then if I realize I can only do part of something in 10 minutes, I just choose not to do it, which are used to. I don't do that anymore because I realize 10 minutes of towards something is better than nothing towards it. But how would you say, you know, we talked about JPs, but how would you say you manage your day to day fitting in all that time and being aware of what you have? Oh, I'd say I'm probably the worst at it, to be honest. <laughs> and so hopefully that that's a, a beacon of hope for some people, because it's exactly right. Like if you only have 10 minutes to try to get something done and you know you're not going to get the full thing done, why start it? And I still struggle with that today. Um, it's something that I find is challenging of like, okay, I could spend five to 10 minutes starting this and then it's going to take another 45 minutes. So if I have to break it up in three different chunks, it's, it's something that I still struggle to wrap my head around at times. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, everyone always wants to talk about uh, being organized um, and being structured, but I'd almost argue, you know, you want to be organized, but you want to be semi-structured, right? You don't want to have everything planned out to a T that, you know, if you do have that gap of time, maybe you are motivated to, you know, start working on that one task or, um, you know, you've, you've, giving yourself the flexibility, uh, but it's not so rigid that, you know, you have everything mapped out. And then when something changes, your whole day's thrown off and suddenly you lack the motivation, um, you're overwhelmed. Um, so to me, you know, being organized and however you find that to be, whether it's color coding things, um, I've got a, a, a coworker that I work with in sports performance and each night or in the morning, he basically maps out what his day is going to look like. He knows what he's got ahead of himself. And so then when it's put pen to paper, and if you were to ask him, you know, what his day looks like at the end of the day, how closely did it reflect what you mapped out? He'd be like, I maybe 50%, but at least he has, you know, the framework of how to get through the day and accomplish more tasks than if you didn't do without it. So I think it's unrealistic to think I'm going to plan everything out. I'm going to be organized and I'm going to get it done because that's just not how it is. But if you have a little bit of that organization, you have that semi-structure, then at least you have the scaffolding to accomplish more throughout your day. And then when you get to the backside of it, you're like, okay, I got three more things done today than I would have if I wasn't organized. I'm over here taking notes as like you're talking, <laughs> spitting out some good stuff. In response to your response to the first question, talking about how oh, I had a lot of thoughts of you when, after you mentioned we often underestimate what we can do. And Ellis and I have a lot of goals. We're super goal-oriented people. And one of the quotes that stuck with us as we're like trying to plan out the next three to five years of our life is that we heard was most people overestimate what they can do in one year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Mm. And I like relate to that so much because kind of like what you were saying, Shelby, it's like, oh, well, there's no way we could do that in a year. And so then you just stop working towards it. Whereas if you actually have your goals and you can lay them out in a more realistic way, applying these smaller level day-to-day tasks to get that goal in 10 years, like you'll look back and say, holy cow, how did I do all that? Like all of us graduated high school 10 years ago. Oof. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But look how much we've accomplished. And then a question I had to follow up for you, Ty, was do you feel like as a you're like a lifelong learner at this point. Do you feel like your identity is within like being a student? So you almost find comfort in that 
system of mm-hmm. higher education? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I actually think, you know, just because I work with student athletes similarly to, uh, you know, at least you work with a similar population in, in uh, the college setting, you know, how many times we see student athletes get to the end of their athletic career and their identity is so ingrained in being an athlete. And I, I would say for me, yeah, like part of my identity is is being a student, you know, whether it's it's a formal sense or an informal sense, I always want to be learning. I want to be learning new things. I don't want to be stagnant. Um, it just helps keep me motivated for the job that I have. I think it's pretty evident if I'm thinking about going back for a fourth degree, more or less just because, you know, maybe that's something that I struggle with is like, I don't know how to function without also managing being a student. You know, to me, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, I know probably after the MBA, I'm going to stop and I'm going to have to get a little bit more creative with where I find my passion and motivation coming from. A lot of it does come from the job. I do love learning, but there's so many learning opportunities outside of formal education. So, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to go back to school to be a lifelong learner. You don't have to be seeking a degree to try to you know, manifest whatever goals that you have. But, you know, the identity piece is something that probably in a year, year and a half, it's something that I'm going to have to be cognizant of, of, you know, because being a student has been a big part of my identity, you know, how can I shift that over? I've thought about teaching classes now, you know, I have the ability to um, teach classes in accredited programs and maybe, you know, from the education side, that's where I then choose to get that fill, so to speak going from the student side and flipping over to the teaching side. But, you know, the identity piece is such an important thing. And I think without having a good sense of your own identity, you know, you can really run into issues when you're really trying to, uh, you know, set your goals and and really be aware of your situation and where you're trying to go. I think that's such a good point. I also think, especially when it comes to academia specifically, I think there's so much of it you know, being a lifelong learner that can be goal-driven about academia, like having an endpoint as in a degree, you like gain more than just, you know, oh, I gained this knowledge, but like, here's my degree to, to show it. I feel like at least when I stopped going to school, there's that sense of, I may learn a lot of school, new skills now, but part of me still is like, do I have anything to show for it? Even though I do, I don't know if you guys ever felt that way, like going to school for so long, I felt conditioned to be working towards the end goal of a degree or like there was an endpoint to it to start something new. It always felt like there was still something to work towards rather than just, I'm like, now I just learned just to learn, which is great. But at first it was a really hard transition. No, I love that point because how many times do we say, okay, here's our end goal. This is what we're shooting for. And when we're starting that process, we're so naive that like, that's what we want to work towards, but you don't realize most of what matters is going through that process. Right. I mean, like, okay, great. I got a piece of paper, but it was everything else that that navigated me towards it. And so to me, you know, sure, I may put my sights on I want to get an MBA. I don't want an MBA just for the MBA. I'm going to get some business knowledge. I'm going to diversify my knowledge, but you're also going to get these experiences which you can't anticipate. Right. You have like going off to college, you know, you had the I I think you all had an episode where you talked about, you know, your college degree doesn't really matter. You can set it to be whatever you want, but it's, it's, it's that experience that you're getting along the way that is then providing you that opportunity, opportunity to really grow and get a sense of, you know, what, what, what motivates me, what am I working towards and, and how can I achieve my goals? And I think when we reflect on those that have gone through that process, it's a lot easier for us to see kind of going back to that self-awareness piece. 
but no, I love that because you're absolutely right. You set that end goal and it's not really about the end goal. If you really think about it. I think having that angle also gives us permission to not have as good of work-life balance because you can say like, or school life balance rather, but because I feel like you can say, well, I'm only doing this for four years, only two years, only five, you know, like there's that, I only have to do it for this, that grind mentality that comes with having that end goal. Whereas like balancing school life, work life, friends life, whatever is a long process. And it's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I think it you, gives us permission sometimes to not set as many good boundaries or, you know, look towards that long-term balance because we're like, oh, I just got to grind out one more year too, you know, whichever. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of like the idea of becoming a, a medical doctor, right? You're thinking, okay, I've got to go through four years of undergrad plus four more years of medical school plus however many years of residency. And to me, I'm like, I'm never going to become a medical doctor. Like I just, I don't have the capacity to want to achieve that. And now that I've done eight years of school, I'm like, well, I probably could have, (laughs) but I don't, you know, I don't regret anything that I've done. It's just now on the back end of it. I'm like, you know, I probably could have done it, but I didn't give myself that advantage in the beginning of like, you know what, if you really want it, you can go for it. And that was something that I, I didn't really have. So what is your why and what motivates you? Uh, you really just had to drop all this on me. I should have known you were going to ask these questions <laughs> and I should have had all these prepared. It's okay. We didn't give them um, to you. I'll, ahead I'll, of time. I'll have to, I have to get like back the raw to you. answer. The, the why question is always so interesting to me because people, people want to know. And, and it's like, oh, you know, I, especially for us as athletic trainers. And I know I'm talking to a very niche group right now, but It's like, oh, we love helping people. Uh, We love sports. We were injured. We were athletes. We were injured. So we found a way to combine all of them and give back. And while that's true, you know, like growing up, I feel like I had such a good support system around me when times were maybe not, you know, the best. And, And so, you know, you're kind of forced to grow up and mature and realize how important people are. You know, I was fortunate enough in in high school to be exposed to the career that I'm in now um, and get a sense of what that career was like and to see, you know, such a unique opportunity to really be able to help people in such a unique way, as opposed to the, and not knocking in any sense of volunteering in, you know, kind of the more typical sense of, you know, I volunteered at a food bank or, you know, I donated my time in this regard, um, you know, to be able to make a career out of it at a time when so many people's lives are changing. I mean, like we look back at our college years and think, wow, there's a lot of growth there. And so for me to be able to work with people who are also going through that and to watch that evolution occur for them, you know, it's kind of like you can see things unfolding ahead of time. Um, and you know, it may be detrimental, but you bite your tongue. It's like, you're that parent that you're like, I'm going to let them fail because I, I know if I'm here to be a helicopter, I'm only going to make, you know, things worse for them. Um, you know, so to me, my why is more ingrained in, you know, how can I use the skills and knowledge that I have and not that I have every skill in the book, but how can I use my skills to better people's lives? Like I hope in 20, 30 years, people look back at the, the, the times that I had interactions with them they feel like if if they weren't in that situation, things would have been a lot different. 
you know, I, I want to be part of that process that helps people get through. And I know that a lot of them probably don't realize it now, but when they get back, you know, in 10, 20 years and, and then they look back and they think, wow, what a time, what a whirlwind. I don't know how I got through this, but I was so glad to have the people around me that were around me. I think that's where I get a lot of my, my sense of, of drive and passion from. And uh, hopefully that answers enough of uh, my why. I appreciate you answering that. Yes. It's a hard, it's, tears. A, it's a hard question to ask. Um, but we, I was reminded of that question multiple times. Like for me recently, within the last year, we had um, a staff come and present as to why we should hire her. And it was, she, her whole presentation was what, what her why is. She's actually also a Clemson grad. Um, and then I was having a really hard day, hard couple of weeks at work. And I was getting some advice from my overseeing doctor. And he was like, what is your why though? Why are you still here? And I can't answer that question for you. So I'm just curious, you know, always coming back to your why. I mean, you're putting yourself through many years of school. Like you said, yeah, you've put in all the years to go to be a medical doctor, but you're not. So I was like, that's what inspired me to say like, okay, well, why, why are you doing that? It's almost like you're finding more about your why as you're like going through this process. And so. I think, and maybe it's just the, you know, and having a lot of conversations with people, um, you know, so many people leaving their jobs, not having that, that satisfaction that comes from their job, wanting to feel like they have more of a, a of a balance tread lightly. When I hear people talk about wanting to quit their jobs because I think to your point so many people get away from you know uh, really knowing what their why is and why they love doing what they do because when you get into the day-to-day -day grind at times it is very difficult um, and when we do take that opportunity to look back you kind of forget all of the hard stuff along the way like you remember the good things right and unless there was a traumatic experience you don't typically remember a lot of the major bad or a lot of the bad things so just to be able to kind of come back to, you know, why am I here? Why did I choose to do this in those hard moments where you're like, I had a really tough day at work or I'm dealing with this area of my life and it's affecting this other area. I think a, just your point, definitely having a, a good clear identity to what your why is and why, you know, what it is that you're doing, but how you can also tap into that and spin it to help yourself. You know, there's times I'm like, I've worked so hard to get here and I could give it up at any moment, but why would I do that? You know, like, I love what I do. Why would I just suddenly up and leave and potentially put myself in a position where I can't come back? And I think that's where a lot of people get short-sighted. You know, they're very quick to think, oh, my work schedule is terrible or, you know, my salary is, is this. And, and if you're wise, I want to make a lot of money and you're not there, then yeah, it makes it's an easy choice. If you want to go take another job and make more money, boom, go for it. But I think for most of us, it's probably more in an area where it's it comes from feeling satisfaction, having those relationships with other people. And I think kind of through the pandemic, we saw that a lot of us were stripped of that. And then the rush of coming back uh, has been a bit of a struggle. You know, for me, I was fortunate enough that the pandemic actually helped allot me a little bit more time to do my schoolwork. Um, but again, these, these are things that you can't anticipate. So always being grounded with your why is really, really important because when you get these distractions that coming that are coming at you left and right, you know it's it's very easy to lose sight of what you're doing, why you're doing, and all the hard work you put into it. I think that is such a good point. I think on like the opposite scale too, I think it's really important to look at your why. I mean, especially when you're talking about not quitting a job, looking at your why is a reason either to continue school, go to further school like you did, 
or as a reason not to. I know for me personally, there's been plenty of times that has come through my attention. Like maybe I want to go back to PA school and, you know, go back and do this. And then when I sit down and really think about the why, the why is pretty much only to make more money. And to me, when I really think about it, that's not enough of a reason to go back through it when there's other things that I'm passionate about that I like to do outside of my job that I can achieve that goal. So it almost did the opposite to me at times of, you know, maybe that's not, you know, the next level of using school, more school is almost an outlet to figure out my next step rather than my actual why. Like there's been plenty of times when I applied to grad school because at first I was like, you're just supposed to do that. Went to grad school, found other things I was passionate about and it was lovely almost left the field of athletic training to go somewhere else, but then got into this res- my residency. And I said, okay, well keep going to more school to like find a purpose. And I do love my job now, but I think you can look at it as both ways, your why to stay and why not to go. Yes. Makes <laughs> sense. We do have another question. I have another question for Ty. Go for it. So you, I think a lot of our listeners are, are relatively like our age and, or we actually have collected a lot of younger listeners as well. With you, I want you to talk about your experience being an adult, having a like a full blown adult responsibilities, while also being in school. Specifically to that experience and some challenges and some things you enjoy about it. Yeah. So when I started after I finished grad school, and then I, I came to my the job that I'm in now at Villanova, um, you know, I needed some time to really get my footing. You start a new job. There's so many different things that are different. There's some things that are the same, but I needed to really feel out and become aware of my situation. And um, so after being there for a, about six months, you know, I started entertaining the idea that maybe maybe I could go back to school. Maybe this is something worth pursuing uh, and realizing that, you know, while it would probably be difficult, I could probably make it work. You know, my, my hours were fairly regular day to day with the exception of having to also like work weekends and things like that. But I knew that, and I think part of it was going through grad school. I was lucky to have that experience of already working more or less a full-time load, even though you're technically a part-time student, part-time worker. But it was just one of those things where I at least had gotten my feet wet and knowing that this is probably something I could pull off. So then when I started the new job, realizing, okay, this is something I could probably do, was it something that I, was really going to be worth it to me? A, was going to help me professionally? B, was it something that on a personal sense that I would really enjoy? And, and C, what would it do for me on the back end? You know, what, what opportunities, like what, what would be the point of going through it outside of just the personal satisfaction? And so I answered that with a couple of things. One, not many people have this degree in our field. So if I wanted a, a certain position, it would help elevate, you know, hopefully my resume um, and be more competitive in that sense. Two, having additional knowledge is always good, right? We're always having to learn more and do more. So to do it in a professional sense and in a, in a more community setting regularly, I knew it'd be beneficial. But then could I fit that on the context of the job that I'm doing, my personal life and trying to manage all of those things. I mean, we, I hear coaches talk about, you know, you're a student, you're an athlete and you have your social life. You got those three buckets and only two of them can be filled at a single time. And while I get what they're saying, I, I think if you have the maturity, you have, you've done the work ahead of time, you can find a way to balance all of it. I think there's not a thing in life that I, I've found that 
doesn't require a balance. Everything in life requires a balance. And so, you know, I worked it out. I've talked with my my coworkers, my boss, you know, hey, this is an opportunity I like to pursue. I'm going to make sure it doesn't interfere with work, but there are times that I may have to kind of adjust things, you know, is more or less you do what you need to do, just get the work done. So I had the freedom and the liberty to, you know, work out the schedule. But I mean, once classes hit, you know, I would go from working 9am to 6pm, I would wrap everything up, drive down to Starbucks and spend six until what, eight or nine o'clock when Starbucks would close doing homework. You know, I just got in that routine. Um, and I was the worst studier in undergrad the worst studier in grad school. But again, when, like I feel like when you're faced with the task, you you find a way to make it work. Did I love sitting in Starbucks six to eight o'clock when I was exhausted every day? No, but you find a way to make it work. And then I still had time. Like I would still find weekends where I could fly down to go visit my girlfriend and, you know, do homework while I was, you know, with her and get things accomplished. You know, it's just, you have to find what fits you. I can't tell anybody, you know, here's your schedule here so you can fit it in. Again, I think it goes back to being organized. You got a sense of what your schedule is, where you can fit things in, but then also making sure that you're kind of going back and, you know, okay, I've kind of neglected this area of my life for the last week or two weeks. I need to make a point and and an active point to, you know, make time in this area. And again, it's just how you find the balance to make it work. How would you say, oh, good, JB. I was going to say, great answer. Yeah, no, that is a great answer. How would you say you actively work? Because, you know, you kind of hear snippets of it as you're explaining this to set those specific boundaries between each of those aspects, because, you know, like you said, at some time or another, some things have to give for others, depending on what is a priority at that time. But how would you say you set your boundaries for each part to make sure that you could fit it all in? Yeah, it's, it's hard. And I'm one of those people that I, I don't like saying no to people, but that's, that was something that I was kind of forced to do when I was in this situation, like, look, this and I think it helps that the population I work with are also students. So I can help frame it in, you know, a sense that they understand, like, look, do you want me, you know, bothering you at eight, nine o'clock at night when you're trying to do your schoolwork and your thing? Probably not. So, you know, here's kind of the cutoff time. And of course, we know those boundaries are going to be broken at times within reason, you know, to be able to set those boundaries of, look, look here are my hours. Here's what I'm sticking to. Obviously, if it's an emergency, you can contact me. And, and, and there's times where, I, you know, my workload would get overwhelmed. Like I was down in Jacksonville last year for the NCAA East regional track meet. And I had assignments to get done. And, you know, you're doing treatments all day. You're rehabbing people. You're driving to the track. You don't necessarily always have a cell connection or a Wi-Fi connection. So there was one night where, you know, we were at the hotel and it was like, Hey, we're going to go grab, you know, dinner and drinks at this, this restaurant right across the street. And I'm like, it's 1030. I've got this assignment due at midnight. So what did I do? I took my iPad, I sat at the bar, I had a beer, and I typed up my discussion post. And not that I like to blend a lot of those things together, but you can find creative ways to make things work. You know, like for me, I love sitting in a coffee shop. Like that's my time away. I feel productive. So while I'm recharging my, like I'm out of my work mode, I'm out of like the work setting, I can send a couple emails, I can get work done. I'm sitting in a coffee shop. I'm finding a way to combine all three so that I can maximize my time while still accomplishing at least two of the three buckets that I have. True multitasking. True multitasking. And that was probably the most productive I've ever been. I didn't think I could have done 
I was under the gun and there's a video that exists somewhere of like this guy, Definitely. but you know, I'm just there with my iPad type in a way. And I ended up getting, you know, probably the best grade I could have gotten on it. And I was having to pull references and articles. And, you know, I think when you're under the gun and you feel a little bit of that pressure, you just find a way to make it work. When you don't have that pressure, sometimes it's easy to slack off and oh, I'm going to take an hour to lounge on the couch when I get back. That's what I do now. Now that I'm not <laughs> in school actively, that's what I do. But you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know how I did it before, but I know I could do it again. And until you have that, it's, it's tough to see it, but you know, hopefully it, people understanding that you've been through it, you know, it's also very doable for them as well. I also feel like you make a good point too, that whether you said it or not, it's also when you come to that balance part of everything is like, you may not be perfect at every, at everything, but you can get it done and do it to a, you know, a level that you're comfortable with, but it doesn't always have to be, you don't have to be the most perfect friend, the most perfect worker, the most perfect student all at the same time. Hmm. Uh Tell me that again. Yeah. So JP, let me write this down for you. I'm going to tattoo it on your body when I come back to see you. <laughs> but Ty, you've done a lot of great points today. Like I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this and, you know, hear from professional student, Dr. Bigelow. Um, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Congrats. I didn't even say that. <laughs> yeah. But if, uh, is there anything else you want to kind of round up the episode with today? And we'll go into our last little word of the week and round up for the day. Yeah. I, I think just the last thing is, you know, there's all these things and tips and tricks on, on you know, how to get it done. But if you're not doing it for yourself, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to be successful. You know, you, you've got to have the drive yourself to want to do it. And if you, if you can't start with that, you know, you might as well just not go through that whole process. But, you know, it's really important that if it's something that you're serious about, you know, you take the time to figure it out, you'll get it figured out, but you have to do it for yourself. Retweet. Mm-hmm. That's uh, so important. Not doing it for the people doing it for is you. That, is that my word of the week? Retweet. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a real term. That's a Shelby term. I've used that since college, but I don't know where I got it from. No, everyone use that. Oh, everyone uses retweet. (laughs) I was the creator. No, I'm just kidding. No, we can do the word of the week. Are you guys ready? You're going to be on a little time crunch too. It'll be great. So your word of the week this this week is canceled. Ah, like quit that. No more. Get it out of here. That is just canceled. I mean, she's not wrong. Hi, uh, do you got a guess? Uh, I mean, you just, and not that my guess is better. I'm talking like I know what it is. You're Done bad. With it. You're, you're, you're toxic. Get out of here. Goodbye. Cr- Urban- crumple you up and throw you in the trash. <laughs> yeah, trash. Canceled. So Urban Dictionary defines it as to reject something because it's no longer trendy or become too ratchet. And I think it scales from what you guys said to like politically canceled, trendy canceled. It can have a vi- wide variety, but I love this one. I think it's hysterical. All right. I guess I'm out then. <laughs> you guys did a good, a good guess, but Ty, thank you so much for coming on today. I had a great time chatting with you. A lot of wisdom. So we went to college. It was great. Uh, this most serious I feel like we've ever been, but uh, a really good job. And thank you so much. And uh, if you want to reach Ty, you can fax him. <laughs> That's right. Fax only. Fax only. Fax only. But uh, thank you guys again for listening and we will see you guys next week. Bye thank y'all. Thank you. We want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you like what you heard, make sure to download, rate, and review. For more content from your faves, follow us on Instagram at minimally.millennial.podcast. A new episode is released every Sunday at midnight, so don't forget to set those reminders for your Monday morning commute. We'll see you next week to once again tackle the question, why did nobody tell me this shit?